take notes, lean in. We're going to go kind of quick today through each thing so that I don't preach for a legitimate hour. Um, and so forgive me if, if I go a little quick. If you ever need me to stop and explain something, just raise your hand and we'll see how that goes. All right. So we'll just see, we'll see what happens when you ask a question. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll honor it and answer it really well. All right. Um, as I was thinking about God being all powerful, um, I, I thought of this story. Um, uh, every year, me and my family, this may not be your story. Um, maybe you didn't have like an annual vacation or if you were lucky enough, maybe you didn't go to Destin, Florida as so many families can tend to do. Um, but my family uh, was not different. We were not unique or special. We went to Destin, Florida every single year. And uh, I got to bring a friend for a few years. It was really cool. My parents let me bring a friend. And this one year, when I was like 17 years old, I brought my friend Andy. Great guy. Love you, Andy. And uh, he was the guy that I like, I'm telling you insignificant details, but we would like listen to like Christian rap together, you know? It was dope. Like, we'd just ride around in the car like rapping some pretty cheesy lyrics, some pretty cool. It's really grown since then. But I just remember that guy's one of my really good friends. We're at the beach, we're hanging out, and we're Christian dudes, so we're not like hitting the club or like hitting on chicks, which that's not like a non-Christian thing to do. You can flirt with girls, but we weren't doing that. Instead, we would like sit on the beach and just like bro out and just like talk about life. We just had an affinity for deep talks. And this one night, we're sitting oceanside, and it's late, it's like 7, 8 p.m., and uh, it's pretty romantic, it's a bromance, we're just broing out together, it's pretty sweet. Man, I love this. Man, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Great. And we're talking, and we're just kind of looking at the ocean. I don't know if you've ever just sat at the ocean and been just dismayed at how infinite it seems to be. Like, you look at the horizon, and you can't tell where the sky ends and the sea starts, whatever else. We're looking at it, and we just start kind of getting lost in how powerful the ocean is. And we're looking at all these condos behind us, and we're like, you know what's crazy? Man takes so much time to build all these structures they probably have all these safety precautions in place for building buildings by an ocean to make sure they don't topple over in a windstorm or a hurricane. But still, if the storm was strong enough, it's all gone. <laughs> like, and we were just kind of like baffled at that. Like, wow, man is so cute. We're just so sweet. We're like, we should put an apartment here and a house here. And no, nah, it'll be fine. It's like, but who knows, right? Like at the end of the day, mother nature gonna have its way. And we're just kind of talking about this. And like I said, we're, we're Christians at this point, so we're actually getting lost in kind of the God side of it. We're thinking about like a passage in Job 38 where God says, I'm the one who tells the waves where they start, where they stop. I do that. I ordain that. And we're just geeking out, getting lost, like God tells the waves where they stop. That's so powerful. Like man assumes they're powerful. God is powerful, right? Different. And as we're doing that, look, I'm about to get into a little God moment, and I'm going to have some skeptics. I'll be one of the skeptics, and so will some of you. But while we're talking about the waves, now we had been sitting from a safe distance, all right? We were like 15 feet from every wave, for like an hour and a half, two hours. And as we're talking about God ordaining the waves and his power, a little wave, the only wave for that whole conversation, just comes up, just taps our toes, just kisses our feet, all right? Like, we're just like, and I swear to you, take that for what you will, but my friend Andy and I, it was so obvious to us, the timing of it, that we both, without speaking, went, you know? <laughs> we were just like, ah! you know, like, no words needed, just like, wow, you know, and we're like blown away, and I, I don't know, I don't know, I'm, look, I'm not here to like sell you on like the God of the universe, throwing a little wave at our feet, 
to just show us that, hey, you're right. I am powerful, but I'm also personal. For Andy and I, look, you don't got to convince me I'm right or wrong, but for Andy and I, I left going, the God who ordains the waves was listening. Oh my goodness, like the God who like told Saturn, now right there, that's a good spot for you. Like that God like knew like this little wave, I don't know what all led to it. I don't know who studies oceans and what that title is, but maybe they could explain ocean waves and that one random wave and all of a sudden they'd be like, all right, never mind. I believe God was demonstrating like, yes, I am that powerful, but also I'm listening to you right now. And I'm gonna throw you just a little detail that I'm right here in this sweet, soft way that just touched your feet. Only one that happened in two or three hours and we were just like, wow, it's so cool. And I wrote this in my notes. Here it comes. Whether you're Bible gang or Big Bang, which yet whatever you believe. <laughs> that is an Instagram pastor right there. That's what, that's, that's what I'm trying to tap into. I don't want to be that, but I want to see if I could. All right. So I don't know what you believe about the origins of creation. But I think one thing that like collectively gets all of us a little bit is, have you ever like been on top of a mountain or sat in front of the ocean or just been in the woods somewhere beautiful and just looked around and felt like this soul level awe come across you? And no matter what you believe about where it came from, there's just this instinct that goes, something like powerful made this happen. And whatever God you believe in this morning, whatever explosion you might have believed happened, whatever hodgepodge combination of a little bit of everything that you're carrying with you, I think humans just agree, something powerful made this happen, right? And today, uh, I want to explore um, gosh, explore is a little cocky. I'm going to just touch the surface of how the Bible talks about an all-powerful God who is also all-personal. Like I said, there's a lot of content to cover today. As I shared this teaching with, with Dave Clayton and Aaron Etheridge, we have a teaching meeting every Thursday, so 10 days ago, that Thursday, as I shared this word, Dave had an image that came to his mind that I really appreciated. He says, hey, as you walk through all these scriptures, it reminded me of when you get on an Insta someone's Instagram. Does anyone else scroll to the very bottom? How far does this go? 2013? Oh, this is going to be funny. You know what I mean? And then you just kind of scroll through the top. And if you just keep scrolling on their little feed, you can see how they've just changed over the years, how their fashion has changed. You can tell like when they started getting into that genre of music and when they started figuring out what hipster really meant in Nashville because they figured out the kind of pants and, and how the, the mom jeans and I don't know what else is in. You guys tell me, I don't actually know. Are mom jeans still in? Is that a thing? We're unsure. See, we're all on the same page. All right. Today is gonna be like scrolling through God's timeline. His all-powerful character and I think what I hope you see is that the closer and closer you get to 2020, 2021, he just still doesn't change. <laughs> there's no wardrobe change. There's no change in hobbies. His single static, no, no, nothing about his status is different. He's the same God. Old Testament, New Testament, 2021, same thing happening. And so we're going to start in Exodus chapter 3. 
If you've been with us, this is a passage we've revisited several times. All right, it's, it's Moses' conversation with the Lord at this thing called the burning bush. And if you've seen it in the Prince of Egypt or if you grew up in church, you know this moment where Moses, this guy that had fled Egypt, sees a burning bush. It's on fire, but it's not like actually burning. <laughs> and God calls out and says, Moses, Moses. And then he, he tells Moses, hey, I've heard my people's cries. And you're going to be the conduit of my power that will free the Israelites from the land of the Egyptians. And here's how you'll know that this promise has been fulfilled. Okay? This is a big detail here. The same mountain you're on right now, the people will be back here on this very mountain. That's how you'll know my promise was kept. So that burning bush moment, Moses, God, deliver people of Israel. <laughs> that felt right. That felt good. Um, so that Moses, God, deliver the people of Israel. Here's a sign that it's happened. We're on this mountain together again. Okay? That's Exodus 3. All right. Now we're going to jump to Exodus 20. And I can tell you guys aren't turning there, so you already know not to turn there because it's going to be a lot of turning. So good job. Just keep looking at me. Doing great. Um, good job. Perfect. So in Exodus 20, the people of Israel are now in the mountains. So we just skipped a massive story where Moses, partnering with God, frees the people of Israel. God displays this crazy power, frees them up. All right. Now... In Exodus 20, the people of Israel are about to receive some really significant instruction from God. And those instructions have a name. Who knows what those name, the name is of the instructions they're about to get? The Ten Commandments. So Moses, the people of Israel are there, and God is about to give his Ten Commandments. And in verse 18, God's power is impossible to miss. It says there's a thick cloud and thunder and lightning that's just surrounding the presence of God. And people who have been freed by this God see the power and they hear God talking and they go, you know what? Never mind. That's a lot. They literally say, Moses, no. <laughs> okay. You go talk to him it will be right here. That's literally what they say. They're like, well, no, that's not literally what they say. I'm misusing the word literally. But they, they kind of say, hey, Moses, you go take care of this. Because surely, like, this God, this kind of power, like, that could kill us. Right? And by the way, in this story, I'm definitely not Moses. All right? I'm definitely one of the other people. Where I'm like, you know what, Moses? I would go. I got a toothache. I'm going to the dentist about it on Thursday. After that, I'm down to ascend to the top of the mountain and, and then talk to that. But for now, can you just handle it? Because, ah, gosh, there it is again. Shoot. You know what I mean? Like, that's me. But Moses, he knows God. He was in Exodus chapter 3. He knew the God that sets a bush on fire, yet it doesn't burn up. He knew the God that didn't just illustrate his power in freeing uh, the Israelites from Egypt. He knew a God that said, Moses, you personally, I'm talking to you. And so what does Moses say? He says, don't fear. Don't fear the power of God. He doesn't say, hey, you've got it all wrong. He's not that powerful, <laughs> right? He doesn't even say, 
hey, that's, that's, a, that's an improper instinct. I, I think they're 100% right in going, that is so other than I cannot fathom getting closer. In fact, what's my strategy for getting farther away? But Moses, knowing that God doesn't just have power for power's sake, but he uses his power to get personal with his people, says, don't be afraid. He's coming to test you. He's coming to mold you, to instruct you. And what are the Ten Commandments, if not an avenue of being molded and crafted into the image of God? The image that came to my mind, is you ever been bowling? If you've been bowling, will you raise your hand? I knew it. I knew that was the right example. I'm kidding. That's kind of obvious. Does anyone ever use the bumpers to this day? Thank you. Hey, me, hey, thank you for being humble. That's good. And it's not even humble. That's the point of pride. Good for you. Um, you guys know what the bumpers do, right? The bumpers are there so that if someone like me or a young child doesn't know how to bowl a ball straight, even if it goes right, it'll hit a bumper. Then it'll go left, hit a bumper. And eventually, what will it hit? The pins, which is the goal, right? And I feel like God gave this image to me very quickly. Like, the Ten Commandments are the bumpers. The bowling ball is your life. And the pins are becoming the full image of God that you were intended to be that will happen in heaven. And on the way... God has given these instructions that go, if you'll just obey these, you won't veer too far to the right, too far to the left. You'll make a mess. You'll go right and left. But if you'll obey these commandments, keep coming back, you'll become more and more like me. And so that's kind of the story here that's happening with Moses. He's going, God's power is not just here to make you scared. Like, no, he's coming to instruct, to help you get access into who he really is and so that you can become more like him. You can be free, right? Now we're going to jump again. Like I said, we're going to really keep moving. Now we're in Exodus 33. And what happened in between is pretty tragic. The people of God have gotten real spiritually ADD. While Moses and God were having their conversation, because the people didn't want any part of that, they built an idol. Remember, they come from a land of Egypt, a lot of false guys. It sounds weird now. If you're like, man, if I was like discouraging the Lord, I wouldn't build a golden calf. That just doesn't, that's not my instinct. I might like get on Instagram too much, right? But at the time, they they were coming from a land of so many pagan gods, so it made sense to them. Let's make an image that we can worship because God is weird and gone and what's going on? Moses comes back really disappointed. God's upset. God's like, what happened here? I'm keeping my end of the covenant. What happened to the people? He's angry at their treatment. And he says, okay, Moses. And I referenced this last week. He says, okay, here's the deal. I made promises to you and the people of Israel. And I'm going to keep my promises, all right? I'm gonna use my power, fulfill my promises. You get to go to the promised land. I'm just not gonna be there, right? It's this crazy moment where he goes, I won't go with you, but you will get to freedom as I promised you. And Moses, knowing that God is not simply this powerful dictator, but a personal friend to him, says, hey, no way. Don't want your promises I don't want your power without personal connection with you. He literally says, you have to come with us or we are not going anywhere, right? And out of that, God responds, I will do this for you because you have favor in my sight. And out of that comes the anchor passage for the whole series. I've hyperspeed caught you up to Exodus 34, verses six and seven, where it says, The Lord passed before him, that's Moses, 
and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. This is that all-powerful thunder, smoke, lightning God. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, pause, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. It's this picture. God has power, but he's personal. This God of thunder, lightning, smoke, earthquake, he's slow to anger. The lightning is not about to strike you. It's just displaying the power of God. But he's gracious. He's merciful. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 18, another example where this happens, there's this guy named Elijah, again, hyperspeed version of this story, complete injustice to the story. There's this guy named Elijah, he's a prophet of the Lord, and God instructs him to go stand before a king and deliver some harsh words and just simply say, hey, it's not looking for you, King Ahab, all right? It's, it's, it's going south, according to the creator of everything. So it's not good. This really frustrates the king. So much so that they want to end Elijah's life. Gosh, I got a cough. Well, no, I don't. <laughs> I have to breathe. Uh, anyway, hold on. Oh, yeah. So Elijah is fleeing for his life. He even cries out to God and says, God, take my life. Like, if this is my situation, like, goodness gracious, this is just not fun. And then God says something. He says, go out. And stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, so we're in a mountain again. We're standing before the Lord again. Pay attention to these themes. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind, sound familiar? Tore through the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Okay? And after the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. I don't know what this looked like at this point. There's fire and rocks everywhere. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And he whispers to Elijah, all powerful, yet so personal, with God's presence, he's so powerful, the earth can't help but respond to it with strong wind, earthquakes. The earth isn't even making that choice. It's just happening because God is close. But God's like, don't get it twisted. I'm not in this chaos. I'm in the still, small whisper. And you get this glimpse of this God who's powerful in the Old Testament, always displaying his power. And in the weeks to come, we're going to explain other ways that he shows his power. And some of the endings that aren't always very happy, but we're going to talk through that together as a family. If you've paid attention to Exodus 34, 6, and 7, the end of that passage is pretty wild, and we're going to talk about that. But for now, know this. The Old Testament, very comfortable 
extremely comfortable going, yes, God is powerful. Yes, it is intimidating. Yes, it might even stir a little fear in you. But also, yes, you need not be afraid. He's more personal than you can even imagine. He's coming to you in a still, small whisper. Has anyone found themselves in the chaos of life and heard God in a way you can't hardly even articulate start speaking to your soul? Like way deep down here, have you ever noticed God isn't always eager to try to out-yell all the things screaming for your attention? Sometimes he's just saying, hey, will you just be still? Listen? I'm in the whisper. Thank you. Amen. Now let's transition. We're already leaving the Old Testament. Like I said, we're not digging deep enough, okay? I'm going to reference Psalm 29 later. All right. New Testament. Let's keep tracing this. Luke chapter 5. This is where Jesus meets Simon Peter, his disciple, all right? All right. Sure, <laughs> I said that. I was in uh, Paris, Tennessee yesterday. It's happening. Uh, it happens to me every time. He meets Simon Peter. He tells Simon, hey, Simon, I see you just finished up fishing. Why don't you cast your net out one more time? And Simon Peter, a fisherman by trade, says, Internally, probably, Jesus, you son of a gun. Like, what the heck? I've been fishing all night. I don't know if you've ever fished before. Um, I know when they're not biting, all right? But because you said so and you're a rabbi and I have some respect for you, I'll do it just so you're happy with me. And he casts them out. What happens? They catch a bunch of fish, right? They need more nets. They need more boats. Crazy stuff happens. Does anyone remember how Peter responds to that moment? What's his next thing he says? You remember? Yeah, because, so after the miracle, when he sees that Jesus now has command over the fish. No, but you're right, because you asked me. No, that was the right answer. No, don't be sorry, great answer. He says, get away from me, Jesus. No, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, it's Exodus 20 all over again. Peter sees that Jesus definitely, most certainly commanded the ocean in how to behave. <laughs> like, what's going on? Have your friends done that before? Have they ever shown that kind of power over animals, right? And Peter sees the power and he goes, no. It's that human instinct. Whoa, something other than is in my presence, right? Get away from me. What does Jesus say? Fear not. Don't be afraid. He didn't say, ah, oh, that wasn't that powerful. He's like, no, 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 you're right. You're right. That's crazy what I just did. You don't got to be scared of it. And then he takes, he takes it a step further. He goes, hey, come with me. We're just getting started, baby. He doesn't say baby. <laughs> We're just getting started. I'm going to make you not just fishers of fish, but fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to capture the souls of humanity, man. We're just getting started. My power is not to scare you. You know, there's a personal touch to the power on display. When we see God's power, it does not lack a personal touch in our life, okay? Luke 8, Luke chapter 8. I've taught this scripture like seven times in the past three weeks. Jesus asleep during the storm, but this story got a lot more color for me this week. He speaks calm over the storm, remember? And then he kind of has a harsh word. Do you remember what he asked the disciples when they were like, Jesus, save us? What does he ask the disciples? Where was your faith? And if you, just, if you just take Luke 8 out of the Bible and read it, you're like, Jesus, like, chill out, all right? It was storming. 
they were about to capsize. They were scared, right? What do you mean, where was their faith? Their faith was in the appropriate place. This storm's gonna kill us. That sounds right, <laughs> right? But Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Rabbi, he's the rabbi with his students. Even if they failed rabbinical school, they know the 10 commandments story. They know that when winds rise, they know that when thunder sounds, when lightning flashes, they know who ordains that storm. That's Exodus 20. That's 1 Kings. The God of the wind, the God of the storm. Also, Luke 5, Peter knows, I told the fish to hop in your fishing net with no help from you. In fact, you were skeptical. I heard you in your heart, you know? Like, you know who ordains this. Have faith. Remember my power. And remember, I invited you in on this journey. This is a personal relationship. I'm not gonna let you drown right now. Where's your faith? He's teaching them. Even in that rebuke, it's a sweet word of remember. I've explained this. You've seen this. Don't forget. I have power and I'm personal. Guys, we're already about to jump to some of his last moments on earth. But in Matthew chapter 26, we're back to Peter and Jesus again. Jesus has been talking about how the Son of Man is going to give his life for the sake of the world. And in Matthew chapter 26, the soldiers that Jesus knew would come show up. And they're about to arrest Jesus so they can kill him because they can't stand his message. <laughs> they can't stand the sermons he's been preaching. Does anyone know what Peter does? He pulls out a sword, and he starts swinging. Gets an ear. Off the, I think the scribe or something. Like He literally cuts off an ear, which the odds of just getting the ear, that is lucky. He could have killed somebody, <laughs> right? Um, anyway, let's move on. And this is what Jesus says. Hear this. Put your sword back in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I can't appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scripture be fulfilled that it must be so? In other words, Simon, I tell the lightning and thunder how to behave. I tell angels what to do. Do you think the power on display here is threatening me? in any way, but let me give you insight on how a God who is all-powerful leverages that power. This becomes more clear in Luke 23, 24. Jesus says, Father, forgive them on the cross while looking at his murderers. He goes, I don't use my power to fight I use my power to forgive. That's different. That's power. More powerful than someone who can go to war is someone that can forgive the sins in a human soul. Jesus goes, only I wield that kind of power and I will use all the power of heaven and submit and give my own life so that my power can be fulfilled in the forgiveness of sins and humanity for all who believe. Woo! I love a God that uses this. I didn't make this up. I'm not just picking and pulling some of my favorite paths. This is central to the gospel. A God who leverages his power to forgive you of your sin. Has anyone been freed from sin? 
can you attest, can you testify that that was not only of your accord? Can you testify to any level of freedom that you go, I don't know, big holy shoulder shrug. It wasn't me, it was the spirit of God. I don't know, it just happened. Like, that's the authority. That's what made him so mad. That's what made the Pharisees so mad they wanted to kill Jesus. Not because he could heal people, because he said, I can forgive sin. That's what I do. And they're like, okay, well, off with your head. And he's like, well, forgive them, Lord, because I'm gonna use my power to do that still for them, right? This is the story of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, God's power on display. Now, what happens when Jesus dies? Directly after Jesus dies, what does Mother Nature do? Someone remind me. Earthquake. A storm. Guys, the Bible is wild. That is not an accident. God is using Mother Nature to color in the details for humanity. He's going, yep, Exodus 20. Yep, First Kings, baby. Yep, my son dying. Let me mark this moment. Here's another storm. Here's wind. Who's here? God's here, right? Jesus, resurrection from the dead. No small detail there, but I'm not spending a ton of time there. <laughs> but Jesus resurrects over the dead, thus illustrating his power over death. And then what does he say? Matthew 28, all authority, all the power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go make disciples and baptize them in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey what I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you, praise God, I'm with you until the end of the age. Jesus says, I use my power and authority to liberate and free people. You go do the same. Woo! There is freedom in your souls and it is not only for you. We're actually, I'm getting ahead. Now we're gonna go to Acts chapter two. We're still going too fast. All right. Acts chapter two is this day of Pentecost. Maybe you've heard of this day. Originally, fun fact, this day is celebrating the giving of the law in Exodus 20. The Jews gather together and they celebrate. God came down and gave us the law to help us be more like him. Praise God. Now in Acts chapter two, there's a whole new twist that comes in. Jesus has told them, pray, wait, don't leave until the spirit comes. What does that even mean? Well, it becomes clear in Acts 2. They're gathered together, they're praying together, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit descends on them. Guys, I hope that I've done a good enough job for you to appreciate these details. Do you know what Acts 2 is marked by? Wind in the room, tongues of fire. Not an accident, again. God's like, yes, I'm fulfilling something here. That wind of Exodus 20 and 1 Kings, that, that wind of the storm in Luke 8, it's here again, but this time it's different. The Holy Spirit is filling his people. The power and authority that Jesus has promised has landed. Houston, we have landed. That's the phrase that came to my head just now. Doesn't apply, but Houston, we have landed. The Holy Spirit in the human soul. <laughs> one small step for man, one... I don't know, it doesn't connect. All right. Anyway. But this crazy moment where the Holy Spirit has filled his people and people have become the new mountain range. They're the new Mount Sinai. He goes, you don't have to look to a mountain 
with like clouds and lightning, but oh, that's God over there. Just look inside of yourself. The God of the thunder and the lightning and the smoke and the cloud and the wind is inhabiting your body. The Holy Spirit is in you. Your body is a temple. Your body contains the spirit of the living God. For all who believe, this is the sign-sealed promise from God that the Holy Spirit is all-powerful and all-personal and inside of you. And this is not just to be learned, but lived. This reality is not a head knowledge conversation that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. The Holy Spirit that has all power and all authority and is all personal. Yes, we have so much to take advantage of. Endless amounts. We have so much to tap into with the Lord. The Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus, as wonky as this might sound to some of you, God's Spirit is inside of you, in you, around you, and God's Spirit is an absolute game changer. God's Spirit has power. Yeah, for real. Power to give you dreams, like night-night actual dreams, like fall asleep, I have a dream, that was from the Lord. Powerful enough to give you visions. Powerful enough to put a word in your soul for someone you've never met, and not to abuse that or to take pride in it, but as a humble servant of the Lord, go, hey, I just sense God is trying to talk to you. Here's what he said. You tell me. That could be completely weird, and I might be wrong. It may be, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I might have been doing otherwise, but here it is. I'm like, I'm just being reminded, oh, shoot, I haven't said some things I really believe out loud to y'all enough. The Holy Spirit is so powerful so sweet and so in tune with you and your surroundings. And I I just, if you haven't explored that reality, let's do that. And if you have questions and it's ambiguous and super strange and super weird, let's just talk about it. I'm not scared of being mysterious. God's so mysterious, he's infinite. It's not like we're about to figure him out. Let's just be confused together. But let's not ignore that God promised, Jesus thought the Holy Spirit full of power and authority, was so important, he told his disciples, no, 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 don't go anywhere and start just saying what I said, which you would think Jesus would be cool with, that they just go and repeat everything Jesus said. He goes, no, wait, the Spirit's coming. Guys, what if the ruby, like, did that? Whoa, like, what if we didn't move until prompted to move? Like, what if we just sat here in a culture of productivity And we're just lazy, just like, Lord, this feels like you need me to be moving, but I'm not going to move until I sense your spirit is my leader, instructing my steps. And whether it's about something big and grandiose about, Lord, who do you want me to marry? That may not even be a good question to ask, but if that's the kind of question you're asking, grace to you, I get it. I ask the same thing. It may be big, like, Lord, you want me to move somewhere or quit my job or switch continents, but it also may be as small as, God, I think you're telling me to tap this person in the Chipotle line on the shoulder, but I got to get closer than six feet to do so, and I, I, I got a mask, and it's kind of, it's like, no, 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 but the Holy Spirit's telling you to speak to that person. 
Like that Holy Spirit, God wants to move in you, speak through you on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. You are a conduit of freedom for your neighbor. I'm not even making a sound point here because I left my notes. I don't even know what the point I'm making is. I just, we need to listen to the still, small whisper of the Holy Spirit. He wants to reward you. And I don't mean prosperity gospel. I mean, he wants to enrich your identity. He wants to help fix your eyes on heaven. He wants to mold you. He wants to speak grace over your life. He wants to forgive you. He already did it, but he wants to remind you, hey, seriously, I already did it. All this stuff comes from the Holy Spirit. I can't do that. There's so much nuance to what's going on in your brain. There's so much nuance that that goes into what makes you happy, what makes you excited, the friends you have, the personality, the Enneagram, the ENFL, whatever those letters are, like all that stuff. It's so nuanced and so specific and no one understands you like God and he is all powerful, but he's all personal. He knows what makes you you and he wants to demonstrate his power in your life and the lives around you. But this only happens if we will wait on the Holy Spirit to be our leader. All right, that was, I'm sorry if that felt confusing that last part, because I honestly feel confused. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me make sure. Yeah, and so I wanted to invite you to ask God right now. Am I, literally I want you to ask God this at some point, am I enjoying the blessing of your presence inside of me? Guys, God is meant to be fully enjoyed. And don't be condemned if your answer is no. Be excited, because there's an invitation into something more. But am I enjoying the blessing of the presence of God? Am I taking advantage of the Spirit inside of me? Now, sometimes questions like these really bother me because as a big-time feeler, I love feeling. If I'm happy, I'm going to laugh really loud. (laughs) I'll laugh louder than anyone in the room. I don't even mean to. I caught myself doing it the other day. I'm like, I think I low-key compete with everybody. Because if they laugh, I'm like, ha, 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 I'll laugh a little louder and a little longer. So it's like, hey, you guys remember who laughed the most though, right? <laughs> I'm a big-time feeler. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit like this, I can be discouraged because I'm like, look, I would love to experience the blessing of the Spirit, but I don't feel anything. And I just want to speak patience over you. God will reward your patience. You just do your part and listen. Sit still. Get in his presence. I promise you. He's not gone forever. I don't think he's gone now, but that feeling. So I don't want to discourage anybody. Anyway, all right. When I was thinking about application, this is a really hard one because I don't want to leave this at a head knowledge conversation where it's like, hey, God's really powerful and wants to help you. All right, like, see ya. But the application's kind of tough. And so here's the the thing I thought of. We can do that next slide. I thought of three simple words that might maybe just help you start to tap into this. The words are observe, observe, acknowledge, and meditate. So one simple thing you can do, if you want to just behold the power of God and just kind of get lost in all God is and how awesome he is, a fun exercise is go somewhere beautiful and just sit there and throw your phone in a tree trunk and uh, don't look at it ever again. (laughs) But go somewhere beautiful and just start Don't put pressure on having like a Hillsong worship service in the woods. I guess I have you in the woods here. You can be anywhere. Somewhere beautiful. Could be the library. Could be the ocean. (laughs) 
I don't know, but go somewhere beautiful and sit there and just look. I would say nature's good. Pay attention. Look at the trees and then look at the tree. Look at the bark. Look at the leaf. Look at it. Look at the intricacies, the details. Observe creation. I was talking to a friend this week, and we kind of tapped into this conversation. How there's something about nature, being out in nature for long enough where your soul slowly starts to like realize something's big and beautiful. Yeah, something's big and beautiful here. And I may not have concrete like exactly what made this happen, but there's an awe that I believe humanity has for nature. And start by just observing it, go somewhere beautiful, and just pay attention to how beautiful it is. And then secondly, then acknowledge God is the origin of every little detail you just looked at. And try your hardest to believe it, because this is where the doubt comes in. You may feel a little cheesy, a little corny, being like, God, you made this leaf, you made this blade of grass. Wow. No, go there. Don't be scared to be vulnerable with God. No one's watching. You're fine. Like, just say it. Blades of grass are actually crazy. If you stare at them long enough, you're like, there's a lot going on in this thing. <laughs> and I just stepped on it. Like, all the time I step on them. That's so wild. I wonder if they have feelings. You know, that's crazy. You know, like, stare at it. No, but I know that's funny, but like, get lost. Observe it and then go, God, you did this. Whoa. Acknowledge it. And then just meditate right there. Lord, will you help me? Oh, Lord, don't let me leave this. I feel, like ch- I feel kind of silly, but Lord, help me not to, because I don't like being vulnerable, help me not to leave this moment. Lord, will you help me just to be here? You made all of this. Wow. You're crazy. You're so powerful. And you've reserved this moment while I'm holding this stupid blade of grass, talking to you, all your power, and yet you're here hearing this very sweet conversation. Like we're talking together. You care that I'm holding this stupid piece of grass. I'm going to quit calling it stupid because, you know, I don't actually think it's stupid. I think it's beautiful. Like, you're in this moment. I went out into the woods, well, several times, but one time I went out into the woods, and I saw, uh, like, all these squirrels, and they're they're crazy when they're by themselves. They, like, chase each other, make weird noises. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Squirrels are kind of loud, actually. And, And it just hit me, like, God, before I got here, they were just, like, doing their thing. (laughs) Like, I didn't get here and then squirrels were like, oh, humans, like, let's go. Like, no, God, you sustain creation when I'm not here. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm not that important. (laughs) These squirrels were fine. I didn't bring any squirrel feed. They're going to live on their own. They'll be fine. They're going to start a family, have a lovely life, right? (laughs) But in that moment, like, there's something about creation and being in nature where you're like, you kind of get put in your place in a really nice way. You're like, Lord, you're awesome, You're so involved with this, your power, and yet you're here with me in this prayer moment. So sometime this week, if you're looking for a way to like step into this kind of conversation, do yourself the favor. Get out in nature. Breathe deep. Observe, acknowledge, and meditate that the God of creation is with you in that moment. And he has more for you. Stay there as long as you want. He's gonna keep filling you up with blessing. For now... I would love for us to get communion as a church and process some of what was shared. And so I'm actually going to invite you to go ahead and stand up, and we're going to finish this sermon together. So you can exit your rows. There's communion in three corners of the room, I believe. I believe. Grab communion. Circle up in groups of three to five if you're comfortable. If not, don't worry about it. 
but just simply share, man, what's something that's kind of stirring in your imagination out of this conversation? What about God's power and personal side is stirring in you? And someone be the bold conversation starter. And you can sit, circle up chairs, literally move your chairs around. And let's just talk about it. What's stirring in you? What's something that came to your mind?